0: Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and Weekly Bible Study for January 3rd, 2010. We're going to continue with the study on the uh, Sacred Name Movement, which relates to the Hebrew Roots Movement. Um, We'll start off by saying a major shift in theology has been the acceptance of the Jewish name replacement for Jesus Christ. Uh, So whose name do we call it when we want to be saved? In whose name are we sent? In whose name do we pray, preach, teach, exercise divine authority? Is it Jeshua, Yeshua, Yeshua, yes, Shusha? And then we can go on to the other 51 other alternate Hebrew Roots Movement spellings for the name of Jesus Christ. There's 51 others, and I've got them all here. You can see them on the PDF. I'm not going to go through them all. It's too many. Um, that you can go onto the PDF that will be available with this sermon up on Sermon Audio. And you can look at them all. Which one do we use? It's just like God is not the author of confusion. It's just like you got the King James and you got all the other hundreds of versions. And then you got this, Jesus Christ. And then you've got all the other 50 plus possible ways they say it should be spelled. Well, which one do you call out when you get saved? If there's no other name given among men, whereby we must be saved, doesn't that throw a little doubt on that? Well, God's not the author of confusion. Do you think the devil might have something to maybe do with that? How could he not? Why would God send such confusion? Particularly in the end times. But, God is going to send strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned to receive not the love of the truth, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The unbelievers, the said who had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, you know, it's something that you need to look at here. Which which one? I mean, I fifty plus alternate spellings of it. Let's go further. If you go to the Book of Acts, where the words of Jesus Christ was being demonstrated by the apostles in the early church, you will see every baptism of the true way was done in the name of Jesus Christ and was all the preaching, teaching, deliverances, healing, and miracles. Still not convinced? Then tell me why the name presented and exalted in the authorized 1611 King James Bible is the most attacked name in society. Why is it the most degraded and spat upon name around the world, uttered as a malignant byword by means? I mean, you can say, you know, God, or whatever, and not offend people most of the time. But if you actually name the name of Jesus Christ... Most of the time, you'll see people bristle. I mean, not a real Christian, but uh, you name that name, and something different, there's a different dynamic that happens with people. And I'm sure you've seen that before. Uh, The name of Jesus Christ. Uh, has been uh, uttered as a malignant byword by millions over and over again every single day? Why don't you hear the name of another god being continually downgraded? Why is not the name Yahweh being cursed conscientiously, consciously or unconsciously by the world's masses? Why is it they want to key on? Even the, uh, these ascended masters that are saying we're going to make our big debut soon with Maitreya as their leader, even though they claim that Jesus Christ is just one of the Ascended Masters. And that Maitreya actually gave Jesus Christ his power during his three and a half years of ministry where he did miracles and things. Where he actually, what they say, overshadowed him. Even though they say he's one of theirs, they say he is really essentially the least of the Ascended Masters. They even they downgrade him. They act like he's like the uh, whipping post of the Ascended Masters. That's how he's portrayed. Okay, so they even they do that. Uh, because the Lord Jesus Christ's name is the most precious name in heaven and earth and should be treasured above all names as the only name who has defeated Satan by his finished work on the cross and broke the chains of sin and death, it is the only name where life and death hang in the balance. Life and death, heaven and hell hang in the balances between whether they deny him or confess him. It is the only name or freedom or bondage is in the power of praising his name or cursing it. Matthew one twenty one says, And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Therefore the name Jesus derived from the Hebrew derivative of Joshua which means Jehovah saves. Um, So therefore the name Jesus as the Christ or the anointed one uh, in the English is taken from the Greek um which was the universal language of the day when the New Testament was first written, uh, and is it is a hallowed name of God coming in the flesh the name the same name is exalted as the name above every other name, as the only name whereby man can be saved as the true and relevant name relevant name for today that whosoever shall call upon the name uh, of the Lord shall be saved and find salvation, and again, we gave you the verse, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved so the Bible's very clear on this. Now, God has had this problem before, which is evidenced by Jeremiah 23:27, which says, "Which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal or Baal, the god Baal." Well, he's had this problem before. In other words, I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes talks about. So if God's words has been lost or forgotten, then it can be justified that his name has been lost or forgotten also. And it would also take so-called knowledgeable men who could put us right, so the notion goes. However, because God has given us his word with every scripture given by divine inspiration, we only need to go to his book to find the name which is above every other name, the only name by which, whereby man must be saved. The cult of Yah, Y-A-H, have got it all wrong, because its roots are not Jewish at all in the scriptural sense, but actually pagan. And behind the scenes, its Masonic mystics have infiltrated Christendom, as it did with the Jewish teachings through the Kabbalah, leading people into spiritual captivity. I'm going to discuss more about that. Uh, next, here. The following is an excerpt from Christianity. It's uh, Christianity, Masonry is not, and the Freemasons are not compatible. Uh, this is from Press Enterprise, Riverside, 31393. Uh, it says Regarding the identity of God in the Scottish Rite Freemasons, the 13th degree is the Royal Arch. In it, the alleged true previously hidden name of God is revealed as Jabalum. The Encyclopedia of Freemasonry on page 359 affirms this under the entry for Jobalum, or Jabalon, depending on how you want to spell it and pronounce it, yet does not give the meaning. But in the same book on page 102, the in the definition of Bell, the meaning is given. It says Bell is the contracted form of Baal, or Baal, as some people put it and was worshipped by the Babylonians as their chief deity. It has the jaw and the O been introduced in the royal arch system as a representative of the name of God. So it's Ja, Bel, On. Okay? Ja uh, represents the name, as they say, Jehovah. Bel represents Baal. Ja, Bel. And then uh, On represents uh, Osiris. So we have this combination. Now, I've even seen... Um, document or documentaries on this, where they get to the actual who is the real god of the Freemasons this is Jabalon, okay, is, is what they um, say, and they actually show a picture of this Jabalon, and it almost looked comical because it's like this spider thing looking nasty demonic thing with like this, I don't know if it's a human head or something. It's really really creepy looking, but it almost looks like some B-rated horror movie thing, you know, that you would see. So it's so ridiculous looking, but hey, that's who their God really is, you know. Uh, if, if the truth be known at the deepest levels, now most Freemasons don't have a clue about that. Now, I just did a whole teaching on the Freemasons you can access if you want to know more about that. Just key in Mason or Freemason in the keyword search box on my home page on Sermon Audio under Scott A. Johnson, and then we have Jude 1 4. For there were certain men crept in unawares who, before of old, were ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our Lord God God, into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when you deny and start to question his name and start to question his word, don't you see that's what you're doing? I mean, Jesus Christ is the word, according to John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same in the beginning was God all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made and he came to his own and his own received him not and they beheld the glory of the only begotten son I mean that's John 1 I'm going through some verses there but when you start to question the word which is what the Hebrew roots movement uh, that's the basis of their argument Question it, yea, if God said, uh, don't you see how you're really denying Jesus Christ? Oh, it's not really His name. Oh, that's not really that's not really what matters. Ah, oh, the New Testament's been corrupted. The Greeks been. It's not really. I mean, everything about it is corrupt from its from its inception and foundation. I can't see anything good that the Hebrew Roots movement brings to the table. I can't see anything that would ultimately bring you closer to the Word of God. Strengthen your faith in the Word of God. Strengthen your faith in Jesus Christ. I see a lot that would strengthen your faith in your own works to get you to wherever you think you're going to end up going. And I I would assume it would be heaven in their case. I see a lot of that. But I just don't see (laughs) how it's going to strengthen your faith ultimately in Jesus Christ and His Word. It's going to cast doubt from the very inception of embracing this, and this is why I'm so emphatic about it. It's an ab- absolute, total outward attack on Jesus Christ and His Word. Bottom line, and that's what we're talking about today. I mean, let me just uh, let me just read this again. Jude one four for there are certain men crept in unawares. There are these men. And women, now, are everywhere within Christianity. Because the church has not purged out this leaven, most of the time, the chief leaven stands in the pulpit and preaches. Most of the time, the people that call themselves pastors have been disqualified from being a pastors on so many different levels. If they would go over the biblical qualifications, you know, yeah. In order to purge the leaven out of the standard church today, you have to start with the pastor. Because he's the head. He's been corrupted. Most. Not all. Most. And if the head is sick, the body's going to be sick. How does that work? Well, if you sit under a man, and he's an emissary of Satan, or a wolf in sheep's clothing, or a hireling that has no true love for the sheep, or uh, posing as a minister of righteousness, but he's actually a minister of Satan, which is actually what I'm finding to be common. It's, it's the norm from my experience, do you think that sinning under his ministry is going to corrupt you or help you get closer to God? The Bible says, while they, these false ministers, promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. And of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. How do you get overcome? Well, just go go to a church and sin under their teaching long enough. Those devils will, will creep in and... and You'll get overcome sooner or later. It's what happens. If you give place to the devil, and when you go to these types of churches, if if you're going to a synagogue or whatever a lot of these things end up turning into in the Hebrew roots movement, don't think that you're so spiritually strong that you're not going to be overcome. I know it sure happened to me, <laughs> as I've evidenced in some of my testimonies I gave earlier in this teaching. I was there, been it, done it, you know, whole thing. And, uh, I'm not proud of it, but hopefully my testimony will help some others, and and hopefully they're going to understand, you know, it's nothing to be, I mean, yeah, it's embarrassing telling the story, but, um, I want to, I want people to understand that I'm not sitting up here thinking that I'm, it's above me for this to happen. We need to take heed lest we fall. Um, Not let pride well up, not to think we're better and smarter and more holy than other people. Uh, When that starts happening, pride comes in, and the the propensity to become blinded uh, increases exponentially. So, through this Masonic Kabbalah infiltration, Jehovah becomes Yahweh, Jesus becomes Yahshua. uh, Hence, God is now called G-D, which I see a lot of, people email me. They can't pronounce the full name of God. Where is that Where is that in the New Testament where it says to do that? Well, it's not, but my rabbi... I, okay, fine, that's about all I need to hear. I see all I need is the word of God. I don't need a rabbi to do my interpreting for me. Hence, God is now G-D, uh, being referred to as Yah, or sometimes Jah. Now, Jah is used, I believe, in one place in the Bible where it says, extol him who rides upon the clouds. Jah is his name. I believe it's used one time in, I think, Psalms. Pretty sure. Okay, so I'm not saying that's an absolute unbiblical term. But you have to understand, there's a lot of demons and devils that pose as Jesus, pose as Jah, and these types of things. Um, people that have had ministries that have dealt with this, Say that they they they've encountered demonic entities that say when question what what is your name like Jesus said what is your name, um, and uh, to the maniac guy, and he says we are legion for we are many. Okay, so there is a biblical precedent for that. I don't think you should be conversing with devils and demons a lot. I don't think it's a good thing to get in the habit of. But uh, they people that have uh, done that type of ministerial work has said that there's many times the devil or demon they encounter, identifies itself as Jesus. Well, it's a false Jesus. It's posing as whatever, and it's just mimicry. It's just a counterfeit. Okay, so um, anyway, I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. Uh, So, this suits the mystics, the secret societies, the covens, along with some of the ecumenicals, and the coming emergent church. We're going to see more and more of this. A big tenet of the coming emergent church, if you trace it back to its lineage, is theosophy. Which is really, I know I've said witchcraft is the coming essence of the one-world religious system, but the, the, the foundation of that witchcraft, I believe, will be theosophy. Which is what Maitreya and Benjamin Krem heavily advocate. And the people at the highest levels in the New Age heavily, and the United Nations heavily advocate. Theosophy. In fact, if you go up to Maitreya's website and go to their recommended reading site, you're going to find every single work that Alice Bailey ever produced. And Madame H.P. Blavatsky, the one that started Theosophical Society. Alice Bailey, most of what she wrote was channeled. I, I believe it was all, all demonically channeled books. Dijoual Cool, I think she channeled through. Maybe it was another one of these ascended master things, whatever. But Anyway, I mean, that's where they got their information from. Straight from fallen angels. Most likely, is what they are. Uh, So it's not really an accurate source of truth there. There's no truth in it. Uh, Theosophy is essentially just Luciferianism. The worship of Lucifer. Who ultimately is Satan. Okay, you can call him whatever name you want to call him. But... um, This whole name... Thing that we're talking about today is going to play into that, I believe, very heavily. So, this suits the mystics, the secret societies, the witch covens, the, some of the ecum- ecumenicals, an increasing amount in the emerging church movement, and trendy new agers, making Christianity both contemporary, palatable, and acceptable to those in these other cults. Well. Don't we all have to have a one-world religion eventually? How are we all going to get on the same page? This is one of the ways it's going to happen. By corrupting the word of God, corrupting the name of Jesus Christ. It's one of the ways it's going to happen. The Yah thing has become a trendy word through the 80s and the 90s from the Star Wars craze. To the Rastafarians, I think they mean like with the Rastafarians, the guys with the dreadlocks, and they worship that guy named Holly Solostri. I did a whole teach—I did a teaching on them once. It was real early. Uh, I don't know if I got keywords on that. You'd key in Holly Solostri or Rastafarian, and they say Yaman, yeah, you know how they do that thing, and they smoke the ganja and all that other stuff. Well, anyway, uh, that's actually a religion. It really is. And they worship, their, their god is a guy named Holly Solastri. He's dead now. But I was actually adjusting a uh, patient. I was covering a clinic, and I saw this guy. He had this shirt on. And it showed this, it was a black man, he was on a throne. And it said, King of kings and Lord of lords. The, like, the only one true god. It was this black guy on a throne. Now this has nothing to do with me being prejudiced. I'm, if it was a white guy, I'd be just as, you know bad, but I, I was like, I asked the guy, I said, I got him up from the table, I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, it's Holly, he, he knew a little bit, he was just wearing a shirt, he was like, it's like, you know, I went there and I got the shirt, you know, I bought the shirt type of thing. He didn't really, he wasn't involved in the religion, but it is literally the religion of the Rastafarians, and uh, they, were, they, they revere the guy as God. So anyway, I, I I did that study on that a long time ago. Um, pretty pretty unbelievable what they believe with that. And uh, most people don't understand Rastafarian is actually a religion. Um, so anyway, uh, one of the pseudo-Christian Hebrew Roots Movement websites actually state on their site that, in their belief system, what we believe. It says, we believe that... Yahweh is God and the only real one. Yahshua, now that's not the, it's Y a Y a h s h u a, is the Son. And that and that's not the traditional Greek spelling that we see. Okay, and then that Yahshua is our Savior and salvation. So there is no oneness or Trinity. So they're very very against um, the Trinity or the concept of the Trinity, I should say. Uh, And that the real names are Yahweh and Yeshua, and that there is no so-called church or one group, but it is an organism of the hearts of people, whatever that means, and that we observe the weekly Sabbath from sunset till sundown, and also the spring and fall feasts, but not the worldly feasts. So they substitute the pagan feasts of you know, Valentine's Day and Xmas and Ishtar for their Jewish feasts, okay, and that they think that makes them better and holy, and that they literally have to do that, the Sabbath, the whole thing, and I've done several teachings on the Sabbath, uh, that is probably of all the factions of the Hebrew Roots religion, I've gotten more negative feedback on that one than any, uh, I still remain undeterred. I believe the the facts are absolutely overwhelming regarding that. I've probably done a total of six different teachings where I've got into this. I've never seen anybody be able to refute what I've set before them. Uh, not to say that I'm better. It's not even my research. It's other people's research that are smarter than me that have done better. You know, and, th- and that's what they do. There's There's many ministries and that's their niche. That's what they do. What I try to do is glean from different ministries and not try to be... You know, the absolute be-all expert in any one particular area, but more like a—I don't know, whatever you you call him—a renaissance man or whatever—that would know in many different things that I can tie things together, so that I can give more of an overall picture of things through the Lord. You know, not in and of myself. I don't want to take credit for anything. Uh, so they observe the weekly Sabbaths from sunset to so t- so sundown. Um, then they say a new year starts when the first visible new moon on or after the spring equinox. Oh boy, now we're really getting complicated. Uh, and then it says by obeying any law we will not be, quote, saved, but we have to obey the laws. Whatever that means. Okay, so it's like, oh no, we don't we don't want to say that... that um, we don't get saved through Jesus Christ, but if we don't obey the laws, then uh, there's going to be hell to pay, essentially. <laughs> they like to kind of tiptoe around that one. Because there's so much you can, so many Bible verses you could quote to, to refute that. So then let's go further. Then they believe, this is a big one, I just love this one. This is what the Seventh-day Adventists believe. The mark of the beast is Sunday. And the Seventh-day Adventists at the deeper levels do teach this. Maybe not garden variety entry level. But they believe the Mark of the Beast is Sunday. Sunday worship, essentially. And it's not a barcode on the forehead or a subcutaneous microchip. Well, hey, it's good enough for me. They really refuted the Bible on that, where the Bible says, you know, any man that taketh the Mark of the Beast and on his right hand or his forehead, you'd not be able to buy, sell, or trade. Yeah, they really refuted that one. Now, I've done several teachings on Mark of the Beast as well. This is how delusional... You become. This is a typical example of how they stray from the Word of God and embrace the teachings of man, which are really nothing more than doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. So let's look at some proof in regard to Yah's root, Yah. Um, Baal was the false, was one of the false gods of the Jews. Um, embraced. Baal, which means lord and substitutes the our lord and transposes to many other names, depending on the language and the nation it represents. Such as Horus, Tammuz, Eros, Jupiter, Zeus, and so on. Masons commonly refer to their deity as, quote, the great architect of the universe. In fact, George Washington signed many personal letters with this exact uh, title. Well, he meant well. Well, listen to my teaching on George Washington before you come to that conclusion. And they refer to him as the supreme being, the great architect of the universe. God is further described as the grand artificer, the grand master of the grand lodge above, or the celestial lodge above, one of my personal favorites. Do you realize that a mason actually believed that land, lambskin apron that they wear is actually what will grant them entrance into heaven? Is there, why? Because if you think about it, we have to get saved through the Lamb of Christ. The Lamb of God, who was sl- slain from the foundation of the world, as the Bible states, Jesus Christ. So, they have to have some alternate version, because the Freemasons, just like every other uh, religious cult on the earth, they have some works based way to wherever they're trying to get. For a Mason, it's the celestial lodge in the sky. For the Muslims, it's paradise. And the ideal way is to Die in martyrdom if you're, and then you have your what's it, seventy two or seventy eight virgins, and all the cheeseburgers you can eat for like a lifetime. Free Hulk Hogan commemorative beer koozies, you know, everything, anything you can want. Anyway, um, you know, it, it depends on what flavor of of little religion that you're going after. The Catholics would think it was heaven. Uh, some would say it was Nirvana. Um, so anyway, they, they this is they believe that they have to get. To the celestial lodge uh, in heaven, uh, through and, and one of the ways they do this is through the lambskin apron that they wear, which is symbolic of of it's a it's a uh, perversion of the Lamb of God. Okay, it's a it's an affront. It's a it's a um, a counterfeit to the Lord Jesus Christ. But see, because all these cults are works based, you earn your way to heaven. This is how they operate. So that's really, really a blasphemous thing—that lambskin apron. So anyway, let's go further. Um, He's also referred to in the Masons as uh, Allah. Well, the Shriners, you know, they take their oaths on a Quran. And do you understand? This is how the Freemasons are going to try—going to be one of the main things that tries to unite all world religions. You know, putting them all on equal foothold And, and. even Benjamin Krem and Maitreya say how important the Freemasonic movement is in ushering in the one world religion of Antichrist. Now, they don't call it that way, but they say to usher in the age of Pisces, out of the or usher in the age of Aquarius, as they refer to it, from the age of Pisces, where Maitreya will take you know, his rightful place on the throne, the Freemasons are going to have a ton to do with this. They they openly state in their literature. He's also referred to um, as um, <clears throat> Freemasonically, he can be referred to as Buddha, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, or the Great Geometer. I think that's my favorite the Great Geometer. Okay, the G in the Masonic ring can refer to God, it can also refer to geometry. I've heard alternate things. What G? It probably has. Several meanings. Like any occultic symbol typically has different higher level meanings. Uh, There's a meaning that may be given to the masses, a meaning that is given to the entry level Masons, and then maybe mid-level and then advanced. So, it's hard to say it just means one thing. Masons claim that the actual name for God has been lost, which is a common theme you'll see here. And we're going to get more into that. Now, remember, I'm just scratching the surface here. Uh, there's a lot more to cover with this teaching that we will be covering. So if I haven't answered your questions yet, stick with it. Confirming and declaring Jesus' invested power and authority as God in the flesh, 2 John one seven says, For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. The apostle John, a Jewish believer, warned Those who deny Jesus is the only Christ and that he came once and for all in the flesh have embraced the spirit of Antichrist. Every true Bible believer in the strictest Masonic view is therefore hated and despised as a divisive sectarianist. He who believes Jesus alone is classified as a bigot and an extremist. This is how all the other religions are going to view us and to a certain extent do view us right now as Bible-believing Christians. You know, because we have our belief system, and they and they think we're bigots because we won't be swayed. And how dare we think that we're the only ones going to heaven, and they're all going to hell? How dare we? It's it's an absolute, total uh, offense to them. So, uh, this is going to be one of the bases for persecution coming on a worldwide scale. Okay, so let's go further here. Uh, Other lukewarm believers who are not adamant in this view will largely escape persecution. Jim Shaw, a former 33rd degree Mason, says that the Freemasonry is not based on the Bible, referred to as the Great Light, but on the Kabbalah, a medieval book of Jewish mysticism and magic. Uh, Masonic authority Henry Wilson Coyle, also admits that the Kabbalah's teachings can be seen in some of the mystical and theosophical degrees of Freemasons. Albert Pike, the man responsible for virtually rewriting the Scottish Rite degrees in their present form, and also wrote Morals and Dogma, which is like the Bible of the modern-day Freemasons, and was also the founder of the Ku Klux Klan, and also a Confederate war general, who actually has a statue of himself erected within the city limits of Washington, D.C., one of the most evil men that ever walked the earth, Albert Pike says uh, that the Masonic search after light leads directly back to the Kabbalah, the ultimate source of the Masonic beliefs. So, he stated this in Morals and Dogma. The the Oxford Dictionary refers to it as uh, the Kabbalah as the Jewish oral tradition and occult lore. Just as these mystery schools of Jewish occultism have infiltrated Judaism, so have these secret societies infiltrated Western fraternities, softening them up for the new pseudo-sacred name. Now, so understand, if you're bracing this thing with this sacred name movement, understand there's a lot of high-level occultic groups that are right behind you, baby. They're right with you. They're, they're marching lockstep with you. Well, no, I'll have nothing to do with them. Well, it's too bad. You're aligned with them. You are aligned with them. If you're in this, many New Agers, many witches, warlocks, many people like uh, Albert Pike, the Freemasons are, are, are aligned with you. You can deny it all day long. <laughs> but that's the case. So... Um, This does not mean that we are accusing all advocates of Hebrew Roots movement as being Kabbalists or occultists. Obviously not. Um, I know that when when I dabbled with it, I wasn't an occultist or into the Kabbalah. But, you know, entry level leads to mid-level, leads to high level, you know, if you stay in it. Our intention is exposing both the sources of the Hebrew Roots teachings and the promotion of the sacred Yah-named cult. The complex Hebraic source promotes the name of God as Yah. Uh, Sometimes they use Jah, but I believe the reason they're doing that is it's the derivative of Jabulan, which is what we said is the ultimate God of the Freemasons, which fits the hidden Masonic God, whereas the Aramaic source pervades God as El Shaddai, which is actually translated a woman's breast or life nourisher fitting the New Age mixed-gender god. Now, this is also a very gigantic theme. I remember I was talking with a Mormon, one, this Mormon guy, and I hadn't really realized he was a Mormon up until this conversation. And we were talking about some scriptural things, and then he goes on to say, well, you know that... And I played along with this, because I wanted to know where he was coming from. He says, you know that um, uh, actually... There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Mother. I'm like, what? He's like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And all this stuff. And this is the most holy name. And I said, well, what is her name? And he says, oh, that's not proper that I would ever even utter it. Now, I really truly believe, and I think we're going to prove in this teaching, we are going to prove in this teaching, that that whole concept that I just got into there which is taught at the high, highest levels of the Mormon Church. Now again, not entry level stuff. Higher levels. I really believe that's the basis for a lot of this because then we get into what they call the ineffable name, which we're going to discuss more, much more in the subsequent parts of this teaching. In other words, it cannot be uttered. It's not fit that it ever be uttered. This Mother God concept is um, has been hidden for the large large part. Uh, because obviously it would contradict the Bible and it's po- all part of this whole ineffable name movement that we talk, which relates to the subject that we're talking about today. But there's there's different flavors of things that we're looking at here. So we'll get into that in a little bit uh, more detail later. Uh, it is important that all this is made known. And if you look at the... Uh, okay, then the, then they get into the androgynous God. This God like we see portrayed with the pentagram and the goat of Mendez, or Baphomet, that has, uh, is both male and female, is a hermaphrodite god, has both male and female sex organs, and has a goat head. Well, Satan just wants to pervert any possible way he can pervert things. Okay, that's his MO, his modus operandi. So this is what he does and thereby trying to cast as much doubt on the Word of God in God himself. So, anyway, I'm going to discuss that in much greater depth in coming parts here. Um, It is important that all this is made known to those who profess the name of Jesus Christ, so the true name is honored, and Christians are aware of the substitutes of being lured back under the law, or digressing even further into occultic deception. So, again... This is another thing. Which God do we serve? Is it Y H V H this is now we're getting into what they call the Tetragrammaton. Tetragrammaton, which we're gonna we're gonna discuss that much more. Or is it YHWH, or is it Yahweh? Is it Yah? Is it Yahweh? Is it Yahweh? And the other thirty-three names given alternate. Spellings given that the Hebrew Roots people would tell you. And high-level occultists, as we're going to see, would tell you. So understand, all you Hebrew Roots people out there, (laughs) you're going to see how yoked up you really are with high-level occultists as this report progresses. Because they're right on the same page with you. And they view this just as importantly as you view it. I mean, that by itself, would might, you might want to rethink things, you know. So, an open-ended, scrambled deity based on esoteric interpretation, is this what we're dealing with? Or is it the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The God of Israel, David, and the prophets? The God of Paul, Peter, James, and the Church of God? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? 1 John 5.20 says that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, the eternal life. See, it's simple. Isn't that simple? You know, it's not complicated. You know, the Bible says the word of God is of no private interpretation. What is the basis for the Hebrew Roots Movement teachings? Private interpretation. You have to go to some man or some rabbi to really figure out what's really going on. Well, you do you know what they're basically saying then? They're basically saying all the people that were saved, like through... Um, you know, all the, the early Christians, the Anabaptists, and, and the Waldensians, and the Lombards, and then, and then the people that came out of the Catholic Church through the Protestant Reformation. and the, They're basically saying all of them were, I mean, in, in an indirect kind of way, well, they all went to hell because they didn't really know the real name of God. Therefore, they were calling upon some false deity, particularly, say, Zeus. So they all went to hell. And we're the only ones that have this true privilege of information. We're special. We've got our Ovaltine secret decoder rings, and we're special. We joined the club, you know. We got the ID cards and stuff, and we're better. I'm telling you, that's the spirit that I've seen in a lot of those people. Uh, And it invariably happens. It happens in a lot of different... It happens in almost any pseudo-religious cult on the planet. pride. So... Psalm 11 verse 3 says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? A basic way to discern a cult is to test who or what is the foundation of their faith. The Roman Catholic institutions claim Peter as their first pope, and they believe he is the rock of their faith and who the church is built upon. And the very ironic part about that is they were the ones that, you know, killed him, martyred him. Just the same way the Hebrew roots claim, the Torah, the Talmud, the Midrash, and if the truth be known at the higher levels, the Kabbalah, and its divisive teachings, is their foundation. It's not the Word of God. No way. Not the King James Bible. It is never that in the Hebrew Roots Movement. The Jewish King David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God. Psalm 11, 1831 says, For who is God save the Lord? And who is a rock save our God? David, a man after God's own heart, saw the Lord of heaven, and the earth as his source and foundation, not the nation he served, nor its traditions or ordinances. The New Testament presents Christ as Lord, and our foundational rock to build upon. And he threw his through through his word, not the teachings of men or the clergy, neither Israel nor its rabbinic teachers. First Corinthians three eleven says for for other foundation. Can no man lay, than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Hebrew roots, whether um, unbeknown to individuals, puts the Torah, Talmud, Midrash, etc. above God's word in totality, and its teachings above the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the New Testament revelation is obscured from them. The Bible says, there's a verse that says, The prince of this world has blinded them that they do not see. And I found that's pretty prevalent in the modern-day pseudo-Christian movements. The prince of this world has blinded them that they don't see. Second Corinthians 3.14 says, But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Um, the Jews, unfortunately, were blinded. Okay, the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. Now I've done a whole study on this, the the, the biblical cause for the Jews' affliction, I think is what it was titled. And it's not downgrading the Jews whatsoever. I'm just stating biblical facts. And I don't um, mean to say that we're better or that um, we don't get saved the same way they do. But the Bible's really clear on what happened as a result of them rejecting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, The Bible's clear on that. So I I get into that whole subject in that particular teaching. Uh, It doesn't mean I don't love them uh, at at all. So let's go forward here. Uh, When a Jewish person turns to Jesus as Messiah and Lord, the scales fall off his or her eyes, spiritual eyes, as it did when Paul met Jesus during his time as a zealous Jewish rabbi, persecuting the church of God. Then Christ is no longer a rock of offense or a stumbling block to the Jew, but a rock of defense, and as a foundation of God standing sure. Uh, first, I believe Corinthians 1, 23-24 says, But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. But under them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, Christ is our rock, our foundation to build our life and faith on. Uh, now this is going into part two here of this particular report, and it says Romans 15:12, "There shall be a root of Jesse, and that he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles; in him shall the Gentiles trust." Um, it's going, so let's get into the root of the Hebrew Roots movement. From the mass reaction of emails in regards to our Hebrew Roots ex exposure updates now this is the guy that's writing this report and i can tell you i can relate to massive emails regarding because i've never had more opposition regarding anything than when i put this when i started the hebrew roots teachings i had i had this one ministry even write a whole write-up on me they they don't even know me and the stuff they were saying was totally inaccurate (laughs) and this is a ministry that has a hexagram as its logo over a bible so you put the Highest, most cursed symbol of witchcraft over Bible. And you're going to tell me how smart you are. And how... He, they said I followed this guy named, I think, R.C. Sproul. Said I was an adherent. Well, who's that? This is how well they researched me. <laughs> so, eventually I'll probably get to that. the a, a rebuttal of that. But, I mean, come on. So, anyway... uh for the mass reaction of emails in regards to our Hebrew roots movement exposure, it is obvious we have touched on something important, also because of the many people who have misunderstood or misconstrued us in regard to these articles. I feel it's important we clear up a few points here. Hence part two, and this is and I think some of these points are really important. regarding the Trinity. Yes, we believe in the triune God had express, expressed through three persons of the Trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In that order, each person being individual, and yet the same person. Hence the mystery of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit making Jesus real to the believer, with Jesus in turn pointing us to the Father in heaven. One of the characteristics of a cult is a denial of this Godhead. Okay, so a lot of people will say, oh, no, no, the Trinity is never mentioned in the Bible. Okay, throw out the word Trinity then. Throw it out if you want to. That's fine. Okay, okay. We're talking about, is there God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? I mean, obviously that's the case in Scripture. And I could do a three-hour teaching on that. So, But there is a movement called modalism, or the oneness movement, which says that that doesn't exist. And they do all these rigmarole to try to convince you that, no, we're just dealing with one entity, and they just kind of... Uh, appear in different forms. I'm way oversimplifying it, but that's kind of the essence. Uh, one of the characteristics of a cult is the, the the denial of this God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which uh, which the core of the Hebrew Roots Movement does do, along with the denial of the divinity of Jesus Christ, which the Hebrew Roots Movement will do at the higher levels as well. So... Just a couple of verses you can look at. 1 John 5, 5 through 7 says, Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not only by water only, but by water and blood. And, there's, and there is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven the Father, the Word, And the Holy Ghost and these three are one okay I mean is that obvious what we're dealing with here I mean why is there so much controversy over this I mean people want to major on minors and minor on majors it's just obvious what the Bible states here now when it says there are three that bear record in heaven the Father the Word and the Holy Ghost okay well Well, what does the Word mean? Well, okay, we can go to John 1, 1 through 3 and 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I already quoted this. The same in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. He was the creator of the universe. And without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So who are we talking about here? talking about Jesus Christ and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father and he's referred to many times that way the only begotten Son of the Father Jesus Christ full of grace and truth so those are the three that bear record in heaven the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost okay so anyway I'm not going to go down that rabbit trail anymore I know there will be some that won't agree with me on that that's fine I just don't see why it has to be such a divisive thing. It's just so obvious. Okay, can God use other languages? This is another, this is another objection they got. when. They, so I might as well go over these because when I'm going over, I, I agree with what they're saying here, pretty much. Um, can God use other languages? Yes, the authorized version has been the largest version of the Bible that has been translated into hundreds of other tongues and dialects over the great missionary period of England and America, bringing the gospel to multitudes across the four corners of the earth. Okay. Have other Bibles carried the word of God, other than the King James Version? Now, there, are also, there is also some, other, uh, some of these other versions. I don't know them offhand. I do have a word file that gets into foreign translations based on King James, so you can email me and ask me for that if you like. Uh, email address is in the uh, home page on Sermon Audio. And just be specific in what you need, okay, if you ask me for that. Uh, and please, if you're going to email me, um, try to keep it as short as you can, because I've been deluged with emails. The ministry is growing every month. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'm only one person. I can only do so much. I cannot answer these big, gigantic diatribe questions that... I, it's not fair to the other people as well for me to do that. So, and also, I just want to, as I like to do from time to time, thank uh, all those that have donated um, into this ministry. Um, I praise the Lord Jesus Christ for your support, and um, thank you for that. So, anyway, let's go further. Have other Bibles carried the Word of God other than the King James? Both Tyndall and Wycliffe translated the Bible into English before the King James day. From the received text, or the Textus Receptus, God's preserved New Testament in Greek, before they were both burnt at the stake by the church for supplying the word of God to the common folk in the street. When James of Scotland became the first king of the New Great Britain, being a God-fearing man, contrary to what we've heard, because there's a big movement and push to say that King James was this evil whatever. And there is a ton of literature to refute that. Uh, and a really good website to go to if you want to see that. I'm going to pause this for a second and come back and give you that website. Okay, so just when this question comes up, this is the site I refer people to. It's www.jesus-is-lord.com And this has a section. It's actually forward slash king i n d e Uh, It's King James. And he has article after article after article. Biography of King James. King James, a biographical sketch. Interesting facts about King James. Why is King James called uh, the sixth or the first? Which one? Uh, King James first, Great Britain's Solomon. King James first, Design, Great Britain's Friday. He's got all these things about here, And then they've also got a section in here on the King James translators you want to know about King James I don't man I don't know any place you could go where you would get more information on King James um, and the translators of the um, translators of the King James Bible there's a whole section for that and I get these questions a lot so it's kind of a good place to uh, bring it up and if you have any questions on that and you can go to that Particular sites. Very, very good. I don't know of a better site on it. There's also a book, a whole book that was written that is called King James Unjustly Accused. And you can click on that book. It's at the bottom of this website. Uh, It's by Stephen A. Coaston, C O S T O N. The latest evidence supporting the godly character of the Most High and Mighty. Uh, I don't know if I like that term, but the King James, by the grace of God, King of England, Scotland, France, Ireland, Wales, defender of the faith, and renowned Christian king. So, anyway, Um, I would encourage you to um, go to that site if you have questions regarding King James. Because that's another way that they attack the Word of God, by attacking King James. Anyway, let's go further. Um, Let's see here. When James of Scotland became the first king of the New Great Britain... Being a god free man, and like myself, encouraging relationship and accountability to God only, produced the first public Bible for the man in the street, the authorized King James. Actually, at the time it was called just the Holy Bible, authorized version. Uh, and it was based on God's preserved, received text, well also the Hebrew Masoretic text, I mean, of the Old Testament. Uh, and the book's title was the Holy Bible. Okay, so these are just some questions that can come up regarding these issues. Um, The Hebrew Roots adherents will try to use every little thing they can possibly use uh, to cast doubt on your argument on on what information that you're presenting. And I'm here to fight evil and fight bad doctrine. So we want to arm ourselves with as much truth as we can. Other Bibles that were translated from the received text prior to the King James Version were the Biza 1604, The Bishop's Bible of 1568, the Geneva of 1560, Stephen's Bible of 1550, the Great Bible of 1539, Matthew's Bible of 1537, the Coverdale Bible of 1535, Luther's Bible of 1534, now this is not the corrupt Lutheran Bible of today though, the Tyndale version of 1525 as already mentioned, and Wycliffe's 1382 as already mentioned. So, are we writing off all members of the Hebrew Roots or Sacred Name Movement? No way. We we all err from time to time and make some mistakes. I've mentioned many of mine today. (laughs) So, like us all, much of what I have done in my life has been in ignorance. So why not make allowances for others? Just because someone writes G-D for God or uses Yahweh doesn't mean we say we cut them off. We're exposing false doctrine. Therefore having to name names at times, which is absolutely 100% biblical naming names. The Bible says to mark them, which cause division and offense, is contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. Paul named them by name. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Demas has forsaken me for this present day world. Warned about Himaeus and, you know, on and on. So, again, um, just to clarify things. And then the subject of replacement theology. Replacement theology is the teaching which states, because the nation of Israel rejected Jesus, God has rejected Israel, and is therefore finished with Israel, he's written them off. And all his purposes have now been stitched and are now focused on the church, the bride of Christ, which has replaced Israel. We certainly don't go along with this teaching which takes Hosea 4:6 to the extreme, without the balance of other scriptures, where it says, "My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Thou shalt be a priest to me. Thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children." This is one of the verses the replacement theology people use. Although God does reject those who reject Him, as He accepts those who accepts Him, honors those who honors them. This still does not rule out God granting another chance, showing mercy on those who are willing to humble themselves before him with repentant hearts. Scripture shows, I mean, again, the Bible says blindness in part has happened to the Jew. Until the fullness, it says until the fullness of the Gentile come in. You read the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, how can you come to the conclusion that God's done with the Jews? I mean, you look at Revelation 7 and Revelation 14, which is describing the 144,000 during the tribulation, and it gives each tribe by name. Now, there's been some in the replacement theology community, there's, there's some in the black races of replacement theology that believe that they're the black tribes that have all been, like, uh, replaced. And then there's ones in the white one, like in the British-Israelism camp, that believe they've... Re- Man, these are some serious leaps of logic when it says there are going to be 144,000 Jewish male virgins, and it identifies them by Jewish tribe. I mean, how in the world do you, through some leap of logic, or of course you could say, well, like, the, the, the scriptures you're reading are corrupted, like you know, you'll get a lot in the Hebrew Roots movement, or you could say, well... I've learned the real truth from my rabbi, or I've learned the real truth from Mr. Prophet guy over here who's given me the real meaning of those scriptures. And you could go on and on and on. It never ends. So, just understand that that's something else you might come up against. Um, Scripture shows the Lord will have mercy on the nation of Israel again. And when they turn from their wicked ways and call out to him as Israel will be... The nation where Messiah Jesus will rule from during the millennial on this kingdom. Uh, Christians fall, and again I've covered that subject as well uh, in previous teachings. Second, I believe Chronicle seventeen three through five says, "But sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not not after the doings of Israel." So then, the subject of discerning the right route. Romans eleven, sixteen through eighteen. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, wert grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. This is regarding how the Gentiles were grafted in to the true vine of Jesus Christ that's identified in John 15 Okay, where Jesus said I am the vine, you are the branches without me you can do nothing Okay, John 15, the very first part of that this is in reference to the Gentiles being grafted in because the Jews rejected their Savior where the Bible says in John he came to his own, Jesus came to his own and his own received him not Okay, I'm not preaching against the Jews, I'm just saying this is what happened Okay. But we're not supposed to boast against the natural branches, the wild branches like us as Gentiles who are grafted in. Now, there's probably some out there that are actually Jews that are listening to this, and that you would actually be considered more of a natural branch. But the Gentiles is, is who they're in reference to here. One of the main reasons for the Hebrew roots to have been had so much sway in Christendom has been due to the misconception of Romans chapter 11. This has been because of the misinterpretation of the olive tree in relation to Abraham's seed along with the wrong interpretation of the tree's roots. See, we're Abraham's seed according to faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear. It says, if ye be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay? So, understand that's the case. Now, also remember, Abraham predated when all the laws in the all that stuff came up. That didn't come until hundreds of years later, through yeah. Moses. Abraham was the father of Jew, the Jewish nations, but was there such a thing when Abraham came in as the Sabbath and all the laws and all the ceremony and all the stuff wasn't wasn't there? Wasn't in place yet? Okay, so understand that as well. That's something else to think about. He is our father according to the promise. I don't like to use that word father because the Bible says it's called no man father, but your father in heaven. Uh, but anyway, according to promise but not circumcision, tithing, Sabbath-keeping, or their law observance, which wasn't even in place in Abraham's day, the olive tree we are grafting into is not the natural Israel of the flesh, but Jesus Christ. And again, see John 15. I am the vine, Jesus Christ, ye are the branches. Abide in me, and I abide... If you abide in my words, if and my words abide in you, you know it's very important that we're abiding in his word. That's what John 15 talks a lot about. has a lot to do with us getting our prayers answered, too, implies that. Uh, so, it's a, it's a very serious portion of Scripture. The Jewish people have been cut off for rejecting their Messiah, and the Gentile believers have been grafted in. However, this is not an excuse for Gentile believers to be cocky, as Jews are being grafted in again, as they too find Jesus Christ as the Messiah. The false teachings of the Hebrew roots people say we need to go back to our Jewish roots to literally understand the New Testament. This is not so. If the root be holy, so are the branches. Um, Let's see here. The roots can't be Jewishness. In other words, this root that is referenced. Because the roots are holy. And in this context, no one is holy. In this context, no one is holy save Jesus Christ. If we, Jew or Gentile, be connected to him, Jesus Christ, then we become holy branches enjoying the benefits of the promised. Um, where the Bible talks about you're justified, you're sanctified, you know, through the Lord Jesus Christ, His Word. Um, the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the Word. Uh, you're sanctified through thy truth, thy Word is truth. Sanctified means to be made holy and set apart through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can come boldly before the throne of grace to make our supplications known. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. See, this is how we get there, through Jesus Christ. He has shed blood. His has finished work on the cross. Not in of ourselves. Not through our own works. Not by keeping the Sabbath and doing this and doing that and going through all these, jumping through all these hoops. It's no different than Catholicism. Keeping the seven sacraments, doing this and doing that, no different than any other cult. If you boil it down, well I gotta do this and I gotta pray to this God. And I got uh, never ends. Okay, so let's go further here. Uh, If interpretation of the scripture relies on Jewishness and not on God's Holy Spirit, this would put the Jewish teachers in a place of monopolizing scripture. That's exactly where they they want to be. Placing them on the same hierarchical plane as the Orthodox clergy and the Roman Catholic institution who place the church, not the individual revelation, In charge of interpretation. And this is why the Pope can say and do whatever he wants to. And his word goes, because he believes he is, and it's literally in the inside of his mitre cap, his Dagon God, fish god mitre that he wears. You ever notice how, if you look at his hat from the side, it looks like a fish, his mouth? That's symbolic of Dagon. The fish god. This is the same god that when Samson went into the temple and he got strength at the end and he pushed apart the pillars and the whole temple came down. That was the temple to Dagon. The fish god. It's representative in the churches in the pope's mitre. So, um, he, uh, and on the inside of his cap there, uh, it actually says manufactured by Spalding. Spalding caps. No, just kidding. Sorry about that. I lost control there. Uh, Anyway, it actually says vicar of Christ. What does the word vicar mean? Substitute. Substitute of Christ on this earth. That's what they believe the Pope is. Essentially an infallible person. This wicked devil that sits on the throne at St. Peter's Basilica. I mean, the guy's so evil looking I can hardly stand to look at him. That word. Anyway, I mean, don't think I'm biased or anything. I don't want you to get that impression at all. (laughs) Come on. Uh, Anyway, uh, just kidding. Uh, So, let's see here. Private interpretation or individual revelation. Scripture speaks for itself. It teaches against claiming private interpretation. No one group monopolizing the truth. See, this is something that you need to all bear in mind. And I need to constantly be reminded of this myself. Let me read this verse first. Knowing this first, that no prophecy... This is 2 Peter 1, 20-21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Therefore no one group, race, organization, or fraternity can claim authority or the position of being a guide, or, or the sole guide or interpreter, the new covenant presents the priesthood of all believers under Jesus Christ, our High Priest. It presents revelation to the individual direct from the throne room of God through His Word. But, see, in today's day and age, I get these people emailing me all the time. And I understand the legitimate question. But it's like, well, what about this? What about this? And it's some new thing that's all of a sudden come up. That all of a sudden even salvation hinges upon Something that nobody ever even had brought up in old times. When, when, you know, all through the hundreds and hundreds of years where people were being saved through the Word of God, through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, His finished work on the cross, His Word, His shed blood. And I've done a whole teaching on salvation, just keying salvation in the search box on my homepage, sermonaudio.com forward slash Johnson. Um... And then the importance of baptism—you can key in that one too. Anyway, and then people ask me about what's about what is this thing about overcoming? Okay, key in the word overcoming or part of the word in the search box on my homepage again in all the subjects which do relate to salvation and the things that should transpire after your conversion. But there's all these new things that are on the horizon and. and And all these these people and these men and women that come out with all these different theories and they're always so important and and always something, so many times, something that is so extra-biblical. I'm very cautious about those types of things uh, because we're to seek you the old paths, wherein is wisdom. And there's so many new doctrines and, and, and so many people running to and fro, seeking uh, teachers having itching ears, and oh, it just never ends. And there's so many false ministers out there that are so willing to give these people what they want. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. So be real careful of that stuff. And it's flooding the internet. I can't keep up with it all. People say, okay, you do an expose on this guy. An ex- I haven't even heard of half these people. They're coming out of the woodwork. I really do believe that it's part of the strong delusion God said he was going to send in 2 Thessalonians 2, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who receive not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness, and this is going to happen right before the wicked, or the Antichrist, is being revealed, and in conjunction with the falling away of the church. Just read 2 Thessalonians 2. So, if we go further, Romans 16, verse 25 and 26 says, Now to him... "...that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith." It says, "...but is now made manifest." So this isn't something that's, you know, the interpretation of the word of God shouldn't be something that's hidden, to all these but see, this is the exact premise of Gnosticism, which is the basis of the Freemasons, and really the basis of any other pseudo-cult out there. Hebrew roots being one of the greatest. Why? Because the rabbis are the only ones that know the true, deeper, hidden knowledge of Gnosticism. Hmm. Esoteric knowledge. What does the word esoteric knowledge mean? It's part of the, where we get the word Gnosticism from. Esoteric. Occult knowledge. What does the word occult mean? Hidden it's hidden from the broad masses, and if you really want to attain unto the greater degrees, you have to go deeper and deeper and probe deeper and deeper because it's hidden. And only the po- chief potentates at the very top of your respective religious flavor know that. It's a lie from the pit of hell. The Word of God is of no private interpretation, it shouldn't be something that only a certain select few can figure out. And then they have the audacity to believe they're the only ones on their way to heaven. And then they can hold and lord this over people's heads and say, you know, if you don't follow me, then um, you're going to hell and you're nothing but a heretic. Let's seen a lot of that. Anyway, um, Revelation from the risen and glorified Christ in heaven to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 1.12. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then, as I said, the other verse that I talked about, where he said, Jesus Christ, where he said, It's expedient that I should go, for when I go, I will send the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, who will bring all things I have taught you into remembrance. It's a paraphrase, but it's essentially what he said. So, this is what, the Holy Spirit is the one that shows us these things. Uh, Okay, so, uh, boy. I'm going to go ahead and end part two here, and we'll go to part three next.